Welcome to the Long Come Norwich podcast, a decent digestion of last week's details as we descended into despair and then declared Dean as our new de facto deity. We're joined this week by Adam and Hannah to usher in a new era. Firstly, what a messy breakup. Hannah, are we on an ill-advised rebound or have we picked Mr. Wright? I would say Dean Smith is definitely more of a Mr. Wright than Frank Lampard was. Uh, and I kind of don't think you can talk about it as a as a, an appointment without discussing how close we came to getting Lampard. But apparently, I don't know uh, how, how true those reports are, um, but... I was absolutely terrified of the idea of getting uh, getting Frank um, for all kinds of... I mean, I've got personal beef with him, um, which, you know, I won't go into. Um, That's a but... shame, because it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, it sounds excellent. <laughs> well, you know, people were just... I just have all kinds of biases against him as a, as a person uh, and a coach, so um, I won't I won't use this as a, as a platform to air those. But... I'm just so relieved we didn't uh, get him in the end. Uh, and by comparison, I think Smith, you know, maybe wasn't super sold on him um, when he kind of first cropped up as a name. I think I think partly because there is a bit of, um, I don't know, a bit of sort of cognitive dissonance because you think, well, this guy just got sacked um, from a club that is not uh, is in a sort of not dissimilar place to us, even though I think obviously they kind of have a, they're on a slightly different scale. They have different, slightly different ambitions. Um, so it does feel a bit weird that that we're then kind of uh, turning to him um, in the hope that he can uh, he can save us or he can kind of make a real impact for us. But um, you know that happens sometimes. He, I think he did do a really decent job at Villa. He did a really decent job at Brentford. Just because it kind of went a bit wrong towards the end, that doesn't mean that he can't come in and, and do a job for us. So, uh, yeah, I've kind of gone through a little bit of a, not a U-turn, because I wasn't super against Smith, but I wasn't massively enthusiastic about it. Um, but I definitely think, I think he's a, a safe pair of hands. I think in terms of who we were looking at and who we could have got, I think he's probably among uh, the best options. So, um, yeah, I'm on board. Well, picking up on something you said there, the, from from what I understand from information received very recently, um, it, it was a, you know, there, there's no um, smoke without fire with regards to the Lampard interest. There, you know, conversations did take place um, and whether or not uh, that was uh, instigated from, from the Lampard end to make sure that it was very publicly known that um, he's currently interviewing for jobs. So he must be, you know, he, if he's in contention for jobs in, in the Premier League, then, then you know, when the presumably Watford job comes up available again in three or four weeks time, um, they must be due to change again soon. Um, then, you know, he, he wants to be in the frame for it. Um, certainly as as Michael Bailey and a few other of the local lads have said he he didn't turn the job down because it was never offered um that that's definitely true so that's a, that might fit in with some of your personal gripes against him maybe that's in character with the other some of the other things that you're aware of and you don't like Hannah but um what about you um Adam safe pair of hands as Hannah said is is that how you view this or are you a, a bit more excited because um you were really up for Frank Lampard weren't you <laughs> yeah well <laughs> I think I'm just so relieved that it wasn't Frank Lampard that for a few days I didn't even really bother to think about who else it could be. Because uh, my relief was so great, much like Hannah's by the sound of it. Um, I just thought that, yeah, Lampard would have been an absolutely terrible fit for our football club um, on the pitch and off the pitch. Um, yeah, as, as for Dean Smith, I've, I've kind of gone through... A th- like a range of emotions really like when he was first linked you know I was like fairly underwhelmed by it Um, then when it emerged that he was the alternative to Frank Lampard the main one then I was like fully behind it Um, (laughs) and yeah like when he was appointed you know yes I was fairly pleased but sort of in in sort of the last day or so now that I've like started to try and go through some of the analytics of his uh, Aston Villa reign. Um, there, there are some things in there which, again, make me a little bit nervous about this appointment. Um, like, 
there's some very positive runs of form under him that Villa had. And, you know, Dean Smith himself has said, like, he's a big fan of, of XG. Like, this kept coming up in, like, various interviews that I saw with him and people talking about him. So I decided to sort of look into that and to see if it was, if he was underperforming the XG or overperforming. And, and basically when they had that really good run last season, they, you know, it, it, it was it was fair enough, but it, there was also an element that it was always likely that they were probably going to fall off a little bit towards the end uh, at some point. Um, but when they had that great survival um, a couple of seasons ago, um, I hadn't quite realised just how poor they'd been for the majority of that season. Like when when I looked into it, like they were one of the few sides which had fewer touches than us um, in the opposition box in that in that in that campaign 2019-20, um, and it was really just that run of form at the end where they really improved their defensive performance that suddenly um, and, a v- yeah. and a VAR mistake. Don't forget that they stayed up because of a VAR. Yeah, mistake. but. But I do tend to think that might be a little bit overplayed because it wasn't like in the 90th minute, that incident. You know, I think it was like just before half time. So it's like no guarantee um, that that would have made too much of a difference. And it it does seem like they were a little bit unlucky in their first couple of games, aside from that error um, when they did come back from Project Restart. And, and uh, and Dean Smith seemed like pretty confident after seeing their performances in those first couple of games that they would suddenly turn it around, and, and they did, and they went on the run at just the right time. Um, but yeah, I think yeah, overall it does seem like there was a little bit of over overperformance there at his time at Villa, and when you think of uh, like the talent that he had at his disposal there. Um, players like Grealish, for example, you do think, hmm, is he going to be able to pull off the same trick at Norwich? But, you know, the stats are one element of it. The other element is I know quite a few Villa fans um, and they've kind of reassured me that this is a really good appointment um, and they see it as a as a really good fit. Um, and, you know, these are some of the... Um, things in football that you just can't, you just can't tell how it how it will go sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I, I I do feel that overall it's, a, it's certainly a much more sensible appointment than Frank Lampard. I think he fits in well with the club. Lots of other people have said basically, you know, how it sounds like Stuart Weber is talking at times when you hear like his speeches and and talks and stuff. So. Yeah, you, it is obvious why we've gone for him. Um, yeah, I just hope that he can sort of get the players performing a bit above their level, as he did with Villa at times, I think. That's a really interesting bit of analysis, especially around looking at, at XG and, and 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 how they they've def- they were definitely streaky Villa in, in all of his time there, um, in terms of going on runs of both bad form and then having to turn it around with runs of good form in the Championship and the Premier League. I would probably apply a bit more recency bias to how we look at his um, Villa tenure. In that, yes, they they did stay up by the by the scruff of their neck, but then you know finished eleventh last year. You know, so he he's had two full seasons in the Premier League. Maybe he learnt a lot and um, was able to then put that into play, place in Project Restart in a way that Norwich City didn't seem to be able to put anything into place from the, what they learnt in the first part of that season. Um, and then, you know, yes, obviously had had far bigger budgets to to invest in talent, but was clearly able to deploy that talent and get get do, do well out of it. What with their cup run and their and their their eleventh place finish. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I'm what, one I, other I, thing I would say, Tom, as well, is that when I was like looking through sort of the the press and the and the pieces written about Dean Smith's Aston Villa over sort of the last few months. Um, I found this one article in the Birmingham Mail written a couple of days after they beat Manchester United. And the headline is Aston Villa showing clear progression as Dean Smith orchestrates historic win. Yeah. Um, yeah I, and that, that was and that was their last win under him. Yeah. <laughs> and at that point, you know, it would have been a 
if we if we had sacked Farker a month ago, which some people were in favour for, you know, there would have been absolutely no chance of getting Dean Smith at that point. He was rated as like, you know, one of the top English managers about. Um, you know, some might say he still is. But yeah, it is amazing how quickly football turns around that you can go from that headline a month ago to him being out of a job and him, you know, being in 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 the Norwich job instead. But from from all the different pieces that we've read, um, I mean, Michael Bailey kind of wrote the definitive. This is how we went about hiring him on on the Athletic. So you know, read that if you haven't. But I mean, what are you doing if you're listening to this and you haven't read that? I should think that Venn diagram is pretty wide in terms of you know people who listen to this and people who read Michael Bailey. Um, but the, um, the, the you know, based on what we've seen from everyone, um, he wasn't. He, he was someone who was on Weber's long list. Um, always because he, you know, he interviewed him in six years ago um, for the Huddersfield job. Um, and as you, as you quite rightly said, his, his stock grew from 2015 onwards and onwards, kind of almost at the same pace. And then obviously overtook Norwich's stock, if you like, and Weber and Farker's stock. Um, and at a club with less budget and at a club with um, less demands, um, probably the run he's been on that cost him his job since that headline was written wouldn't have cost him his job at Norwich if he'd have if basically you know the results had been separate had been different. Um, if Farker was above the relegation zone right now, having kept us up and finished eleventh, there's no way that I think Farker would would be out of work right now. So I, I actually I was completely um, completely whelmed um, by the by the by the name. Um, neither under or over, but but actually, you know, thinking about how recently ago it would have seemed crazy that we could have got him, I think is actually something that you might want to concentrate on when you think about how lucky we are to have it. But before I round up on on what I think, John, you, you've been you know un um, uncharacteristically quiet because our guests haven't let you get a word in Edgeway's first twelve minutes. So um, tell us, John Punty Punt Punt, give us the final word on what Punt says about have we got Mister Wright. Um, I kind of I'm completely in agreement with everything that that Adam and Hannah have said thus far. You know, they kind of um, they've succinctly put forward the way I feel about it. But cool, right, Hannah? Let's shut <laughs> up. Right, so let me have my say. Um, there's probably one thing that I think that I've picked up on, and I, I've been doing my research much like Adam. You know, once you you understand that this guy was was probably going to be the new head coach. You, you start looking into him. And um, actually, Connor Southwell, um, one of the Archant boys, shared a couple of really interesting interviews for me, which I was, I was I wouldn't say that I was on the fence with Dean Smith because I wasn't. I was I was quite happy with him as an appointment. But once I'd seen these interviews, so there was there was a talk that he did at a Birmingham University, which was really interesting. And then there was a an interview that he did with with Graham Hunter. Both of them are available on YouTube and and really worth a watch for anyone who's perhaps in the kind of camp where they, they might be doubting Dean Smith. But what came over to me more than anything was he's really into developing not only footballers but humans as well. So in both of those talks, he gives a really interesting example of a young lad who actually was talented but perhaps misunderstood, maybe pissed about a training a, a bit, you know, kind of they were, he initially had a perception that this lad was a bit of a wrong and um, actually took the time to understand him, understand the challenges in his life um, and ended up, you know, this was at Walsall's Academy and ended up that that, that lad, you know, kind of um, developed on and, and he sold him on for, I think it was 1.2 million or, you know, kind of seven figure fee. And it was almost, but actually the, the the money around it and the way in which he talked around it wasn't what he was most proud of. And actually, you know, selling a player at, at League One or League Two level for, for seven figures is, is, you know, pretty remarkable. But he was more, he was happier with the fact that actually the football club had been able to develop him as a human and, you know, he'd he'd been a better person, which actually had benefited those around him. And I thought that completely fits with, the culture that Stuart Webber says he's trying to cultivate. And he just, for me, he seems like he's probably going to get the model that that Norwich are working to. Um, He seems like he probably understands that Norwich City Football Club is a really good gig now. So actually it might have been if we'd have been looking for a manager five years ago, you know, just when we were appointing Daniel Farker, that reputationally um, 
maybe you know it, it would have been seen as a bit of a backwater but we're a progressive club now but we're a progressive club who will give managers time who will who will give a project time to you know kind of realize um realize itself and dean smith fits just so nicely with that so the fact that you know he's up for creating a culture he's up for probably building on the culture that's already been built at at colney for me i think that's that's probably one of the things that gives me the greatest confidence and the fact that he's streaky all right, fine, we need a good run. You know, we need five or six um, decent results probably in the next, you know, kind of seven or eight games to to really kind of catapult us towards where we want to be in the league. So, you know, if he can start with a streak now, that'd be lovely. So, Hannah, on the, the side of, you know, this these games that we've got coming up, what if, if have you read or, or seen um, that makes you feel that maybe our um, momentum from, from Brentford can be continued? What do you think... Smith's Norwich football might be like? Oh boy, what a question. Um I I don't know. I think that's um I think that's really tough. I mean this is partly because I'm not sure well actually no that's like I, I think I do know what I would do. <laughs> you know, the players that I would like to see um come in or get more game time. Um whether that's something you know, whether that my view coincides with Smith's view is, uh, is another matter. Well, let's see. Tell me um, what you would do on Saturday and we'll see if he does the same. He might be listening. Evening, Dean. Well, so, I mean, Adam I... wasn't sure about you. <laughs> I would agree with... Um, this might be prematurely bringing something up that we're going to talk about later, but I would definitely agree with uh, the call to see more of Billy Gilmore. I don't fully agree with this idea that... Um, he is kind of the saviour and uh, all we need to do is get him in the team and then we'll start winning. I've seen some weird takes um, that sort of suggest that and, you know, that's the reason we're not doing very well is because we're refusing to play Billy Gilmore, which is just not the case. But he's clearly a very, very talented player um, and you would hope that a good coach, and I do think that's one of the slight uh, red flags about about Farker and um, this season, is that you know why go out of your way to to get this player in and then not do a whole lot with him? It just it, that did sort of just make you think. Okay, maybe he he doesn't have the kind of clear idea about how he wants to go about things that that maybe we all thought he did. Um, so you'd hope that Smith would would have an idea of how to use Gilmore. Um, I guess it's slightly complicated by the fact that Norman has been pretty much our best performer one of our best performers consistently so it's about how you fit both of them in in the side um and it would be great to see Campwell come back in you know we've had a real lack of any kind of spark um and I just think it's such a shame you know he was so good uh last time we were in the Premier League and he really seemed to kind of come to life and to um just just develop and go up a level and it's a real shame that that we just haven't seen that at all this time around so again I think there's elements of I mean I'm sort of loath to compare Cantwell to Grealish for for all kinds of reasons but I think that you could say there's an element there a sort of element of similarity there and if Smith can um kind of turn Cantwell I mean, again, not in Jack Grealish specifically, but as a kind of similar sort of player, you know, just really give him the confidence to become a central figure in that side. Um, then I think that that can only be a positive thing. As you know, how quickly those two things can happen um, when he has about two or three days training with the side, I don't don't really know. I'm not sure how much impact he can have uh, in that that short time, but definitely over the next few weeks. Those, yeah, that, those are a couple of things I'd like to see, and I think Smith is probably pretty well placed to to kind of sort those two conundrums out. I think it's a weird period to have um, a gap between being fairly confident who your manager is going to be, then it takes a couple of days until it's finally announced formally, and then it's another three days until um, we hear them speak as a Norwich manager. 
Um, you know, mm. it's very, very rare that, and obviously the olden days, we didn't know until the, the door opened and they walked through at the press conference. Um, and then, and then, yeah, normally it's kind of the announcement is the same day as a bunch of videos are, are released and pictures of them holding the shirt and, and all the rest of it. So um, it is odd that, you know, I guess it's the international break element, but it is weird that we we've known that we've got a new leader for for this period of time, and it feels like eons when really it was a couple of days. But you know, in, in today's media climate, that is a very long time. That there hasn't been a single kind of tub thumping, fist pumping soundbite coming from Dean Smith yet. Um, and so, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to trying to pick out, you know, which will be complete guesswork, and like you say, Hannah, within with three days if he loses 6-0 on, on Saturday um, or, or wins 4-0, trying to attribute, oh, well, that's all down to Dean Smith. He's going to be a bit rich or a bit unkind, depending on, yeah, because he's only had three days. How much can he really do in that time? But especially tactically. Um, so, yeah, I'll be interested to see if there is anything we can pick out of when he does talk to the media for the first time. Um, if there's any kind of themes or particular elements that he 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 talks about that makes us feel like oh, okay he might be leaning towards this or he might be leaning towards that. What about you, Adam? What what from your your research and um, your own gut feel do you think we might see that's going to be different under a, a Dean Smith Norwich? Yeah, well, first of all, I haven't researched nowhere near as much as I'd hoped to by the time this pod came around. But um, you know, my my sort of initial research into it, I did. I did one of the things which did stand out to me was the use of the fullbacks um, compared to Farker, or the lack of use of them. I guess you could call it compared to Farker. Like you know, Aaron's and whoever played left back under Farker were so like essential to you know Farkball, especially peak Farkball. So. I just feel that um, that is one element that we're going to see straight away. I don't think we'll see the fullbacks marauding on quite as much under Dean Smith from from the from what I can tell in both you know what people have told me and also you know just what the stats show you in terms of like ball progression from from fullback and, and that kind of thing. So um, what I think he will look to do, you know, he's going to try and get as much out of the likes of um, Rashika and, and Campwell as much as possible. Yeah, I, I'd expect those two especially to be heavily involved in a, in a Dean Smith side from what I can see. Um, I don't think that he's got a perfect striker for for kind of the way that he's, he's operated at both Brentford and, and Villa. Um, although I think Pookie is probably the most suited to it. Um, yeah, uh, you know, you expect Pookie to be asked to sort of run into the channels quite a bit. Um, and yeah, I, I think you know, from what I've seen so far, you know, those are sort of the main elements. Um, it'd be interesting how effective we are on the counter attack because certainly Villa's sort of best moments um, in the Premier League under him were when they were you know flying. Um, was when they were really effective, either winning the ball high up the pitch in an effective high press or just moving the ball very quickly, um, usually via Grealish, to be fair, on, on, a, on a really swift counter. So, yeah, I've, I've, you know, from what I can see, those are, those are the areas. But what I also feel with Dean Smith is that, you know, this is a very different profile squad to the one he had at Villa. Um, so he, he's going to have to have a bit of time to look at it and see, you know, what what best suits him in terms of getting the best out of this group of players as well. I do feel that he's um, he isn't sort of stuck to one style of football. Um, and I think he will look at what he's got at his disposal disposal and try to and try to play to you know those strengths um well i hope he does anyway so um yeah from what i can see so far that would be my analysis of uh, what dean smith could potentially offer us in terms of a star awesome so so john let's let's think about how much the uptick could could be for this uh for this group of, of players what 
what is your confidence level that there is a enough of the season left to to, to be saved, um, and b you know do, do you feel that this is um, do you feel that there is a, an obvious couple of areas where he's going to have to make changes almost to to make it clear that you know he can't keep doing what was happening before because that wasn't working. So so yeah, what, what do you think might be an obvious couple of things he's going to do? Um, it's really interesting because when you look at the the pieces that have been written about the recruitment, what was really clear is that the club were massively impressed with how much Dean Smith knew about the Norwich City squad already. So he's got a fair handle on on what he wants to do, whether he's able to implement that quickly or not. I guess will be really interesting in the point you make about the fact that he's got, you know, probably two, you know, f- fairly decent days on the on the fields of Colney to to get these players prepared properly for Southampton um, is a slight concern given that we had, you know, a full two weeks to to do this recruitment. But I guess that's, you know, that's a whole other subject area. Um, interesting that he he likes to play a four three three, and as Adams just touched on, you know, a lot of that is about counter-attacking football but that can revert to a 4-2-3-1 which is you know the formation that that we employed at Brentford away and was you know pretty successful certainly in the first half but you know we were by far the better side for me I do just want to touch on and I know that a lot of people will know this anyway but and it was one of the reasons we we've gone for him but he does you know a bit like Farker really if he had the perfect situation he would definitely play on the front foot I think that mm-hmm. is just simply a Premier League thing where yeah. you know his sides will sometimes have to play on the counter but I think he's been pragmatic enough to understand that that's probably what his sides needed to do because he was as you as you say he was definitely a front foot manager in the championship and you yeah. know some of that is if you've got Jack Grealish in your team then, then you know you absolutely should be they were but, great to watch and in, in, yeah in they were and and actually you know when he had Grealish in his side I think their points per game probably averaged you know kind of close to what Norwich's were that season and we were phenomenal that season you know let's let's just get that completely straight but I think you know he's he's got a really good grasp of the squad um, from things that we hear from Villa fans, it sounds like Billy Gilmore is the type of player that he's going to want to get on the ball and, and perhaps, you know, kind of progress that quickly. Um, you know, and he's from what we've seen from Gilmore, he seems like he's he's got those kind of balls in his, his locker. Matthias Norman's definitely got that. The interesting thing for me is the conundrum of Todd Cantwell because actually Dean Smith will have, will have heard, you know, look, was this all on Farker or was some of this you know kind of on Todd Cantwell and as much as you know there's there's people out there that have been willing to um to put out Todd's perspective on things and Daniel Farkas definitely had his say without being you know kind of massively overt about you know kind of his issues with Todd um the truth is probably somewhere in the middle so if Todd has acted like a bit of a knob and Farker contributed to that do you just bring him straight back in the fold you know kind of is that yeah well you, you do and he will well, I think he. I'm not sure he'll start him, and I'm not sure. Well, he might not be fit. He might not be. He might not be fit enough fit, to start he's, him. He's, he's and also, fit. you've got to bear in mind we just won. So but, I know. I know it's. I know it's. You know, you might not. Um, so whilst there's a couple of injury concerns as well after the international break, the um, you might not, which we'll know more about on Thursday's presser, but um, you might not uh, want to change the team too much. Um, bearing in mind that it was, it, you know, they did go out and finally get three points. Hmm. Um, no, that's a fair point. That, but, that but in terms change of him being involved, would be difficult. But, if, well, um, if it's the culture thing is the, the bit that worries me about, you know, kind of the, if Todd has thrown his toys out of the pram properly, then that's got to be carefully managed. Because yeah, but, actually, you know, well, the here. example that, that sets to other players, when as the only chance that we have of retaining our Premier League status and is to be a really close-knit group and to make sure that actually as a unit that we are completely one and we are together. If you can get Todd back on board, brilliant. To answer your previous question, which was the, the kind of first question you asked, look, do we have enough games? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, 100%. What will be 11 games into a Premier League season? And, you know, all right, we've only got five points, but a couple of wins and we're potentially out of the bottom three. Uh, you know, it's it really is as simple as that. I, I think we've got a run of games coming up where we should be looking to put points on the board. We've got a new manager, which hopefully gives us fresh impetus. I I couldn't see us turning it as much. You know, I hoped that we could turn it around under Farker and I really wanted us to because of, you know, what he represented and, and you know, what he built at this club. But in my heart of hearts, I didn't think that was going to happen. 
I kind of feel like it can happen now. And, um, you know, we get off to the right start under Smith and, you know, sky's the limit. One thing, one thing I'll be looking for. Um, sorry, Tom, just let me jump in here. Um, just been thinking more. Do you want to host it now, Adam? Like we'll just, we'll just bin Tom <laughs> this off. is the problem when you invite me on podcasts. I've, I've hosted <laughs> like over a hundred podcasts and, I, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just can't shut up. Um, but no, I, I think my biggest frustration, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, um, about Farker's style in the Premier League was that I just didn't think that we played at a high enough tempo. Um, along with the fact that we never really effectively pressed the opposition very well. So these are two elements that I'll be looking straight away from Dean Smith. Can he get us playing at a higher tempo? Can he get us pressing effectively, especially higher up the field? You know, Again, when his Villa Science were at their best, I think they did this very well. So, yeah, that is sort of one element I'm excited about. And the other element I just wanted to speak about is sort of his development of youth players. Um, and I do feel that this is, again, an area where he really appealed to Weber um, because he definitely does have um, a pretty good track record in, in developing players. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel those are sort of the more exciting elements um, of, of his appointment and I did want to get that in there because I was worried that some of my comments earlier might have come across as as going off a little bit too negative but well we'll be we'll be tran- we'll be uh, printing off a transcript and pinning it on his manager door so don't worry about that um <laughs> right so Hannah- as long as it works no problem yeah, well, uh, yeah, I should think that's the motivation he needs in a new job. Um, Hannah, um, please, nice and simple. What is the score going to be uh, this weekend? Ooh, I'm going. I'm going to go positive because if you can't be positive after, you know, you've got a new, a new regime, new manager bounce, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I'm going to go three-one to Norwich City. Love that. And mm. speaking of new regime, we haven't even spoken um, enough about Shakespeare. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that that is an element that when I understood that that was part of the, the, the package, it certainly made me feel, feel really confident. Um, I mean, I still haven't really, uh, you know, uncharacteristically, really, I haven't really spoken much tonight. But that is, um, you know, as I say, I started out whelmed. Um, it was a case of well, that's not that's not a name that I, you know, grew up dreaming that we'd have a manager like Dean Smith one day. But then, you know, to, to pick up on what I said a little bit earlier, when you start to think about well, what he has achieved in the Premier League, we haven't had a manager who's achieved that sort of thing before. Um, you know, we haven't had a manager that's that's, that's managed to to do that at that level. Um, you know, and and only a few. Well, but at the start of the season, you wouldn't have thought that he would ever have swapped Villa for, for Norwich willingly. Um, and so um, then when you throw in someone who has got that fantastic experience in the upper echelons of the Premier League and also, crucially, relegation battle coaching, you know, being on the fields of Colney, as, as, as Punt says, um, having someone who says, look, we, I've, been in, I've been in this scenario where we got out of it and this is some of the ways that we set up to stop these teams that are going to have too much of the ball or what have you. I really do think that, that that could be vital because one of the reasons I think Todd will be back in the fold as soon as, as, soon as he's physically able to perform um, to a level that means he can be on the bench or, or start is you if you don't press the reset reset button from a culture point of view? I mean, you know, if he's lamped Kenny or if he's kind of set fire to the um, set fire to Tim Krul's car, then obviously. But you know, that, that, you know, we, we're talking about a personality clash that Farker, you know, is almost addicted to having drama at some point with one of the the, the higher um, the higher personality, larger personality members of the squad. He literally has to be top dog. That's the way he's got to be. Um, and he has picked a fight or allowed a fight to be picked or made an example of a scapegoat of a large personality um, player. Almost there is almost co- that's been almost constant with him throughout his his tenure at Norwich. So, uh, it, what's the point? Weirdly, having- uh, just to touch on that, mate. Weirdly, not when we're being successful, like that becomes much less of an issue when Norwich City is successful. I think through eighteen nineteen, and all right, there must have been some players that. He jettisoned during that campaign, 
but I can't think like that there was that it was ever in the news or he ever he was ever talking about it. Well, Lightner wasn't eighteen nineteen, there was it. That was nineteen twenty. Oh, sorry, I thought you meant the most wrong. recent. I was thinking yeah, yeah. you meant the most recent champion thing. But but yeah, that was off the back of of, of doing a lot of it in the summer and the, and the year before that. Um, so no, I not quite constantly then, but almost constantly. And and yeah, just, like you say, I just it's think, what, it I think was, it's much. It's accentuated when things are going wrong. I think that's the point I'm trying to make. Well, I, th- I think that there's um, he maybe needed it more when things were going wrong. But I mean, you know, to to, to say, look, I'm still boss, even if I can't do it on the pitch. I, I look, I can still exert my authority by um, by falling out with people. But you know, my my point is, if you're going to press the reset button, then um, it, it you you lose some of the opportunity to get the new manager bounce and get the new momentum going. Um, if you are, um, if you don't say, look, look you know. This is. I have to give you a fresh start, Gilmore. You are not any more scapegoat um, from you know. I, I you know. I will try and find a system for you if you impress me enough on the training pitch to do so. Um, Campwell, you, you might have thrown your toys out your pram, but this is a new pram with a new set of toys. If you throw them, if you throw them out with me and demand to be playing, then or whatever, then yeah, I, I may well leave you out in the cold as well. But from now, from from kind of training session one, me and Craig say you've got as good a chance to be in the team as anyone on talent. Uh, it's just crazy not not to, to work on on that basis because you make it clear to all of the players that look that there are no cliques now, there are no managers favourites because this is a this is a this is a blank sheet of paper and let's all have it right in January he will have been told there is some option, there's some movement and some ability depending on where we are on the table to make some moves there's no way he would have signed a contract if there wasn't that you know in nearly December you don't sign a contract when there isn't a possibility of doing something if you're bottom of the table before the January transfer window so um, therefore the players will know that as well they'll know full well that you know they could be even further out of favour if they're not going to um, if they're not going to, to pull their socks up. So I think that's what's really exciting for me. And I did say this when we were talk, doing our, our kind of Farca farewell pod, that the it's the it's the, the new beginnings that's the exciting thing for me. It's the fact that it's you know new narratives and new opportunity to to not have any of the kind of cobwebs and the and the old narratives and stuff. And I'm fed up of moaning about Farka's substitutions. I'm fed up of being annoyed of the, the players he just he decides to pick a fight with. I'm looking forward to hopefully you know a manager that probably within three months there'll be something with Dean Smith that drives me up the wall because that's part of being a football fan you know and I I, it's it's normal that there'll be something that 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 kind of you would rather they didn't do in a particular way I'm sure some people had a problem with Farker's coat although you know we thought it was glorious um so yeah the looking ahead to to this weekend Hannah it's great that you've gone positive (laughs) I like I likewise um can't see anything other than 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 positive um, than a positive twist and to be honest I can't help but think I'm going to watch whatever we get media wise tomorrow again and again and again and be even more hyped and confident of a, of a 5-0 win by the end of watching it what about you Punt what do you think the score's going to be at the weekend um, weirdly enough I'm less confident because of the fact that Dean Smith won't have had that much time with these players um, but I, w- I am very confident about next Saturday and you know Wolves visit to Carrow Road so I'm going to say that we will draw two all on um on Saturday but actually we're going to follow that up and we're going to dick Wolves 3-0 I'll take that what about you Brandon uh yeah I've, I've got to go positive I'd feel a little bit guilty otherwise uh, I think we're going to fly out the blocks uh, maybe go a couple of goals up but then it'll be a nervy ending 2-1 Wonderful. Okay, give us your questions from our bulging mailbag, please, John Punt. There is quite a bulging mailbag this evening, but they are a lot of them are um, along a theme, so I'll try and trim them out. Um, and we're going to start with ACN designer extraordinaire, the wonderful Ben Stokes. Evening, Ben. And he asks, is Dino's jumper the new Farka Parker? Because obviously I've seen, well, I've hypothesized that actually, because you can see very often he'll have his, his kind of um, what I'd imagine is is some kind of cashmere jumper with a, a shirt on underneath. Oh, I've hypothesized know. that it might be one of those jumpers with a collar actually sewn in because maybe Dino can't be asked to iron his shirts. I'm not sure. Um, but it does speak to me of a kind of, there's lots of questions along this theme that he's quite generic and Farker was a little bit iconic. I don't know, Hannah, talk to me about that a bit. 
Oh, I've got a lot of thoughts on this. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And I think that is also partly why maybe there was a bit of a lukewarm reception to the idea of, of Dean Smith, because I think we're all guilty of it. I mean, I, I definitely am. That you kind of perceive managers a certain way based on all kinds of things, you know, based on, I mean, I'm absolutely loath to agree with Sam Allardyce here, but he may have had a point when he, uh, you know, talked about how foreign managers and English managers are perceived differently. I think, I think that's true. But but also I think there's a certain type of English managers and they're based on, um, just based on like what they wear on the touchline. Like you've got like the track suity manager um, and then you've got the kind of more like sort of Frank Lampard, um Scott Parker like slightly more tailored very matchy matchy bit too put together uh and they're kind of perceived a certain way and I genuinely think people think they're better managers because they just look a bit more put together on the touchline which is obviously rubbish and then you've got someone like Graham Potter who's kind of got a slightly more like intellectual sensitive vibe so people think he's he's you know they totally buy that he's a, a very I mean he is he is a very good pro- progressive coach but his sort of whole vibe and whole look just very much uh, ties into that. And then I think with Dean Smith, you're right, he is very, he's just very sort of ordinary, isn't he? He is is a bit generic and he is sort of just based purely on, you know, he can be a bit kind of gum-chewing, tracksuit-wearing, which sort of makes him have a a certain aura. And you maybe put him in with a certain kind of group of English managers that possibly he doesn't deserve to be doesn't deserve to be in that group so yeah no I think that's definitely uh that's definitely a thing and I think again that's also Farker was he was a bit different um and I mean he had a he was very committed to his look which I've got a huge amount of respect for um and so I think you know we are probably all a bit we're used to that and and having um someone with a bit less kind of uh what's the word bit less panache come in is, is a bit of a shock for all of us but I think let's just give him a chance yeah I agree with that I said this on the scrimmage show show actually when they were they were talking about um Daniel Farker and I said and Ben had had kind of said to me that Daniel Farker was the person that he'd illustrated most in his life you know kind of across his his illustrative career Daniel Farker was absolutely you know kind of his muse and he's going to find it really difficult to kind of move towards Dean Smith, who is this, you know, I don't know, like someone's dad, like when you're in high school and he, you know, it's just someone's, you know, generic dad, man, isn't it? Um, and I think it'll be really interesting to see because lots of people have asked us, we've got questions. So there's the next question that we've got is from a chap saying, I was looking, I can't say his Twitter handle cause it's quite rude, but he was saying that I've, is there any, I've just had a 16 foot Frank Lampard flag printed um, and I'm looking for advice on returning it. Any help appreciated. And then tweeting Canary has come back and said, has the Smith welcome flag been ordered yet? And we've talked about this in the WhatsApp group, haven't we, Tom, about potential displays for, you know, the, um, welcoming the arrival of, of the new head coach. I'm all out of ideas because... Daniel Farker was so easy to cater to in that respect. It, you know, it, it would, you know, he had a continental flavour, as you've you've just said, Hannah. You know, he was, I don't know, he just he was, had a bit of he was, he was personality one, about his appearance, didn't he? I think that was the thing. Go on, Adam, you, sorry. you go. Um, he was this meant, is your podcast now, mate. <laughs> Are you paused? I thought, oh, this is my chance. Um, <laughs> but he was a... Uh, he was supposed to be a very nice smelling man, isn't it? As well, no. Yeah, apparently he, he was. Wore yeah, this, yeah. Uh, he is. Yeah, brand. sorry, he's not dead. Yeah, <laughs> he wore this expensive brand of aftershave, and just what Hannah was saying there, you know, about sort of how he dresses, and uh, just got me wondering. You know, I wonder what Dean Smith smells like, and I think Hannah might have touched upon it there when she said, you know, he's chewing chewing gum. So maybe. Dean Smith just smells of chewing gum, a minty, a minty flavour. N- none of this expensive mm. aftershave going on. Just minty fresh. Well, I, th- I think he'd smell of an aftershave. But Tom, tell me of of any aftershave brand that you could pick that would sum up Dean Smith. What are you going for? I'm not a huge aftershave connoisseur. Life's too short not to smell Do you nice. Prefer eau de toilette. Well, I, um, I'm not sure what the differences between toilette. Just and a parfum. scent. Just give me a scent. 
um, Lynx Africa. God, that's not that's you can't have that. That's that's surely that's just a deodorant. Well, yeah, but um, you said what do I think he smells of? I think he probably smells of Lynx Africa. All right. I mean, when, when when we when we get to rub shoulders with him at the um, hooray, we we uh, we stayed up parade. <laughs> then, uh, then I'll tell you. I'll report back. All right. Thanks. <laughs> um, and we've had a few along these on, along this theme as well. But Matthew McGregor has asked: Should we use Smith songs or lyrics for Dino chants or Tifos? And on what? Because he he is putting forward that on one hand the songs are great and Johnny Marr is a legend, and on the other hand, Morrissey. Um, Adam, start us off with that. Yeah, well, I think I'd say the same thing. It's, it's kind of uncomfortable these days, isn't it? Admitting that you're a fan of the Smiths because of how much of a dick. Um, can I say that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, if it's Morris, factual, you can Morris say it, is. Um, And, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, but, you know, I always think about these things, you know, don't force it. Let's let's see, you know, what happens sort of naturally over time. Um yeah, I think Villa fans took to him in the end, you know, but they like some of the quirks about him by the end, um, him sort of pogoing on the on the sideline, etc. So, you know, you've got to, yeah, you've just got to be patient with these things. And uh, yeah, yeah, but until he does something, you know, worthy of, of, mate, of giving him sort of a cult brand around him, then there's then there's no need to think about it too much anyway. Well, Hannah, I'll let you. So we'll we'll finish with this question from Elizabeth Coldwell, and she asks, "What on earth are we supposed to call him? Smith, Smithy, Dino, Dean Smith, Dean Smith's Yellow and Green Army?" She'd like to know if this was considered when he was appointed. What will you be calling him for the foreseeable future? Um. Oh man. Well, even I spoke to my mum earlier, my mum and dad, and even she was calling him Dino. So, oh nice. I don't know Straight where that came. I've got no idea where that came from, but. <laughs> uh, that sort of maybe seems like the most the most natural somehow. It still feels a bit forward. I probably wouldn't wouldn't do that just yet. I'd probably still just stick with, I don't know, Dean Dean Smith, Mister Smith. <laughs> I, okay. I don't know. I don't know him well enough yet to uh, to to make that judgment. I don't think. But I mean, Dino Dino feels to me because you can't be like Smithy or Smith. You know, his no. Smith doesn't really lend itself to any particularly familiar nicknames i think you've got to go with do something with dean but yeah that still feels a bit it's, it's not i'm not ready for that just yet thomas you're um you're an expert at being over familiar what what would you like to call him um i think i'm going to go with ds to start with DS. Um, because uh, i don't like smithy i don't like dino i mean we've obviously we've got a dino in in ashton um and smithy has too much in terms of james corden vibes and we can't we can't go down that road. No, I mean he's he's not really the same sort of character. Um, no, I, I think Adam's right. Um, you you can't force these things, and this is what we've. I mean, this is what we've kind of said with regards to um, tifos and banners and things. At the moment, he, he doesn't come with with any kind of pre Norwich pedigree. Um, you know, he, he you know we don't have a, a backstory with him. There isn't a picture of him on a on on a, a farm animal. Um, you know, there isn't there isn't a picture. Not yet. Of, exactly. <laughs> no, nothing has surfaced of, of him that, that belongs to us yet. So when there's, you know, likewise with the pogoing thing, that's not our thing. So when there's, um, it, you know, and who knows, it might be tomorrow. Um, so we're recording this Tuesday night. It'll, it'll come out Wednesday morning. It may well be that, that in, in Wednesday's press conference, he says something that, that, that we take and run with it. As for kind of Smith, I mean, I'm a big one on, on being able to separate artist and music. Um, you know, to, I mean, certainly, to, I mean, I don't listen to the Smiths. They've got, I, I, I do, there are a few covers of some Smith songs that I, I really like. I was listening to a good cover of There's a Light that Never Go Out today. Um, Deftones do a nice, uh, please, please, please give me what I want or whatever it's called. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't think it's an issue if, if you have a problem with an artist's, um, uh, background, uh, or current belief, um, politically, and there's a belting reason to use one of their songs in a, in a football chant. I, I don't think that's a problem. Um, it, it will, it will become clear. Um, I mean, we need what we need, and I, I feel we we miss it. I was in the Barclay for the Leeds game, and it really does feel like this season is missing its iconic song. You know, we've got 
We've got an unsettled team, which doesn't help with songs because it means that you don't have the same players enough to start to really sing their song again and again and come up with new songs for the new lads. You know, a lot of the new lads haven't played enough for them to, to really have their own song. We haven't been good enough away for the away fans to kind of really kick on and create the songs that then make it back to Carroll Road. Um, so uh, this, if we stay up or if we make if we make a really good fist of staying up, this season will have its narrative. It will have its... Um, kind of memorable moments and it will have the things that it will always be remembered for. So far, this season won't really be remembered for anything other than Matthias Norman's hair. Um, like I can't think of anything else that's, you know, off, off the field and irreverent enough to, to really stand out other than losing a bunch of games. So, yeah, this question might be really easy to answer in three, four weeks' time when, well, obviously it's the so-and-so song that came out of nowhere and it's because he, he did three keepy-uppies in the area or uh, in the technical area before giving the ball back or because it hit, hit the, the ball hit him on the back of the head when he wasn't looking, um, you know, in, in two games' time. So, something will happen. Something will, will, you know, hopefully it will be to do with the, the personality of this team. Maybe, maybe he does get us on the front foot um, and, and attack him more than we think he's going to. And that's something that we um, that, that we start singing about. But, um, and, and yeah, the, the, he will get his banners. He will get his TFOs if he leads us to a bunch of wins um, and has us playing competitively in this league. He will... He, he will soon get the the kind of uh, the iconic status that that, that Daniel had. Um, he just might have to do it more through what he does on the pitch than than what he looks like or where he comes from off it. Um, so thanks for all those questions. Uh, what do you think was the best question there, Hannah? I I quite liked the um, his Smith Smith jumper Farkas Parker uh, face off. I quite like that question. That's amazing because Ben designs all the merch and the person with the best question wins the merch. <laughs> so, Ben, get in touch. Well, that, I mean, that's a bit fishy, isn't it? I just well, have to make clear not, I wasn't. Yeah, it's, it's a bit like, a, you know, it's a bit BBC producer putting on a voice on a, on a phone. <laughs> but, yeah, cool. must be time for the Norwich City manager version of the Along Come Norwich quiz. Um, you're each going to get one minute to answer six questions on current, former, uh, very former, caretaker, etc. Uh, Norwich oh, City God. managers. Um, oh, we're going to start with you, Hannah, and your time starts now. Who was the previous Scottish manager before Brian Gunn? Oh, cool. Pass. Who? What was Farker's first league match in charge? Um, Derby. No. Which club did Glen Roden manage in the job before Norwich? Newcastle. Correct. In what year was Graham Hunter's Norwich caretaker manager? Pass. Uh, what nationality was Norwich manager Jimmy Jewell? Jimmy Jewell. Don't know. Welsh. No. Tom Parker was manager <laughs> when Norwich won which title? Say that again. Uh, Tom Parker was manager when to- Norwich won Parker. which title? 33-34. Oh, boy. Um, pass. Uh, who was the previous Scottish manager before Brian Gum? Um, I don't know. Pass. Uh, what was Parker's first league match in charge? <laughs> um, QPR. Oh, he wasn't QPR, <laughs> no. Um, so... Uh, previous Scottish manager before Brian Gunn, do you know Pete that part? Correct. Or oh, you could have had. It, did Jim Duffy take over for a bit though? Uh, no. You're talking about caretakers. The, the previous Scottish manager before Ooh. Brian Gunn was Peter Grant. What was the Farkas' first league match in charge? Fulham away, wasn't it? It yeah, was correct. Um, Graham Hunter was Norwich's caretaker manager in 2007. Um, Jimmy Jewell, going way back in Norwich managers. Division Free South. Uh, well, be. that's the answer to Tom Parker. That's the that was uh, me. Oh, that was when well. Norwich won the title. So Jimmy Jewell was uh, it was English. That was the oh, nationality okay. of Jimmy Jewell. Um, I put it in. Oh. I, thought he sounded, I thought he sounded Scottish. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so you got yeah, one. I had no which... idea on the Jimmy Jewell one. Never heard of it. <laughs> right. No, I never heard of him. So um, Adam, um, your time uh, of getting all these Norwich City answers correct. You're definitely going to get at least four, I think. Your time starts now. Who was the previous English manager before Dean Smith? 
Uh, pass. Who was Farker's first competitive home opponents? QPR. Incorrect. Which was the club Hewton managed in the job before Norwich? Uh, Newcastle. Incorrect. In which year was Jim Duffy's Norwich? In which year was Jim Duffy Norwich's caretaker manager? Uh, 2007. Correct. What nationality was Norwich manager Norman Lowe? Uh, Scottish. Correct. What league? Did, what league success did Archie McCauley achieve with Norwich? Uh, he won Division Three South. Uh, not quite. Uh, who was the previous English manager before Dean Smith? Um, can't be. Sorry. That is time. Yeah. So, um, the previous English manager before Dean Smith. Anyone? It's got to be Neil. It's Neil Adams. It's a trick question in a way because it's so recent you forget. <laughs> uh, bless Neil. Um, I loved the line in uh, The Athletic that, that pointed out that um, Neil Adams sent a, an email round to everyone saying, please don't interrupt Stuart Webber. He's going to yeah, be busy. Good. You just think, did you need to send that email? <laughs> dear, oh dear. Anyway, um, Farker's first competitive home opponents were uh, um, were in the cup. Oh, it wasn't Stevenage, was it? No, but it did begin with a sir. Oh, I don't know then. Swindon. Um, Hewton managed, <laughs> managed Birmingham before Norwich. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, you got Duffy right. You got Norman Lowe being Scottish right. And Archie McCauley um, took us up, but it was third tier um, runners up. Yeah, So two out of six. So you're currently in the lead. Congratulations on that. Punt your time, and these are easy, you'll probably get six, starts. Yeah, whatever. Now, who was the previous Northern Ireland manager before Nigel Worthington? Um, Brian Hamilton. Yes, what was the score in the game that sealed Norwich's relegation under Farker? Um, 2-1. No, where was Bruce Rioch assistant manager, the job before becoming Norwich manager? Um, pass. In what year was John Faulkner Norwich's caretaker manager? He'd have been after Walker. Um, 97. Unlucky and close. Who was the last Norwich caretaker manager that Norwich had? Who was the last Scottish caretaker manager Norwich had? Um, Alan Irvin? Yes. Which title did Ron Saunders win with Norwich? Uh, Division 2. Correct. Um, and finally, uh, give me the Bruce Rioch assistant manager the job before becoming Norwich manager. Passed. Don't know that one. Okay, that's your time, um, but you've done enough to take home the the title with your Brian Hamilton, your Alan Irvin, and your second tier champions. I would have given what you League Faulkner? Cup runners up as well. Faulkner was ninety eight. You were very close. Oh. Um, it was West Ham four nil. The game that sealed it. It was um, when we made Michael um, Antonio look like Ronaldo. Oh, I thought it might have been that Watford two one. Um, Bruce Rioch was at QPR as assistant manager before coming to Norwich. I'd have never got that. I didn't know that until I looked it up. Um, and uh, well, that's really it, difficult. Wow. Mm. You you got all the others. So yeah, I re- I did try. I think that may be the worst won. quiz yet. Sorry, I about mean that. because it was so I hard. Think it was the best. Not because it was. Uh, okay, <laughs> so, so the we, Saunders one was a lot easier than the one. Mi- yeah, that was. That yeah. was a gimme. But but he also had John Faulkner and Bruce Rioch assistant manager gigs, you know, yeah, and, a specific, and a specific scoreline. So I did think that was tricky. Um, okay. So, I mean, you couldn't even remember Neil Adams, Adam. Right. So what we'll do is, uh, as you know. Who hasn't wiped that episode out there, bro? Uh, as, as you um, well, um, pun clearly um, as you'll know that doesn't mean anything because the tiebreaker is more important so Hannah you get to go first and I want a, I want a specific percentage to one decimal point what did Daniel Farker's winning percentage with Norwich end up as oh, all games I'm sure I've read this recently um, I'm going to go for like 64% you're going 64 dead are you yeah, why not? Okay, um, and now to you, Adam. Yeah, I think I've read this recently, and it was slightly better than Dean Smith's at Villa, which. Uh, so it's about forty-two percent, I think, maybe forty. Okay, and okay, well, hang on, forty-two or forty-one. Uh, because you know, punt's going to do like some sort of higher and lower yeah. thing in between the two. So you oh, wanna... genuinely, I, I'm very, I'm in the ballpark of where Adam is. Yeah. And what I think is the answer. So, you know, this could be important. Um, 40, 
I'll stick with 42. That was the first number that came into my head. So 42, and you want that to be 0.0? Uh, point, yeah, point, yeah, just 0.0, because I think it might be slightly lower. Cool. Go on, then. I was going to say 42.9. That's the number I've had in my head okay. since you said the question. Well, that means that Adam is victorious um, yeah. because it is 41.8. Oh, I went way too and, I think Dean Smith's at Villa was 39%. So it wasn't. But oh, so we need to reverse the decision then. The league, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I mean, his, his, his Premier League winning percentage um, is, is 12% for us. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I think if you compare Premier League, then... then I still yeah. have a way higher well. championship one, but obviously not. Uh, well, okay, yeah, I, I did ask for it was all time. I did specify all games. No, I'm um, just I'm just thinking out loud. I forgot also about his the first championship season, which probably was not as good, was it? No, no. Oh, just full of regrets. It's okay. Um, well, I'm I'm sorry that we've we've ended up bringing you down so much, Hannah. That that wasn't our intention. I, I, <laughs> despite the fact that you regret your life choices, I do appreciate your time this evening and, and talking to us and projecting such a positive result on Saturday. Adam, thank you so much for taking over and hosting for us this evening. Wasn't thank expected. you, no worries, anytime. And thank you for changing your headphones, was it six times before we were able to start recording yeah, without that buzz at the like start? That. John Punt, uh, I acknowledge you exist. Well done on, on winning the quiz, but obviously you failed on the, the tiebreaker, so you go home with nothing. Um, funnily <laughs> enough, everyone else goes home with nothing as well. Um, but we've got a new manager, so I'm not quite ready to say um, Dean Smith's Barmy Army or Dean Smith's Yellow Army or DS's whatever. Uh, hopefully, once we hear him speak, we'll all be incredibly motivated, moved and infused. Enjoy the game, however you're going to follow it at the weekend. And mind how you go. Yeah.